You are listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show, a show where we talk about psychospiritual and psychosocial aspects of end-of-life care. And now, here is your host, Saul. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. I'm Saul Ebema. My guest today is Indira Dial Dominguez. She's the author of You, A Spiritual Being on a Spiritual Journey. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Saul. It's a real joy for me to be here. Just for a little bit of context, where did you grow up? I grew up, I was born in the only English-speaking country in South America. It's called Guyana. It was a British colony. I'm East Indian. My great-grandfather came from India and worked on the, on the rice fields. That's where they came from India and worked there. And, and so I am of East Indian descent. And I would say I'm of a Caribbean flavor because Guyana is very related to the Caribbean islands. And so like growing up in that culture, I was very much loved and cared for by a really large family. My mom was the eldest of 12. So there was a lot of family, food, good times, love, all of that. And uh, right after I left high school, I went and did my bachelor's in Puerto Rico. And then I came to the U.S. where I, well, Puerto Rico is the U.S., but where I spent most of my life in New Jersey. I now live in sunny Florida. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you've become this incredible self-help practitioner. How did your Mm -hmm. journey begin? So one of the things I realized as I began my career after college is that while I did all the right things, all while I took the right education, pursued something that I wanted to do, and I didn't want to work for anybody, I ended up as a as a recruiter, had a partner, and we ran a business that was very successful. There was this just this ongoing sense of is this all there is, mm. but it was very very powerful for me. It was. It defied all of what reality was about, whether it was about I need to have this or I need to have this money or I, sh- or I need to become this person. That paled in comparison to this, this quest, who am I and why am I here? Who are we and why are we here? And it was during that time that I recalled as a child yeah. having thoughts like, oh, these are my earthly parents. Now, I wouldn't be conscious of those thoughts as a child, but I later realized that those were sort of like sitting around somewhere in me. And then I recalled when I was in high school or just about college where I took a pad and I and I wrote from zero to 100 and I drew lines for every year. And I said to my mom, I said, mom, life is so short and we only have this time and look how quickly it goes by. And those things came to me because I was like, there's got to be something else. And all of that led me to a a quest, a search. I found myself in ashrams. I had grown up Roman Catholic. I I did rebirthing. I got into energy. All of this sort of supported me to keep seeking and looking. And, and, and I read so many books. I listened to so many tapes. And, and I 
quit everything. I said, I'm not doing this recruiting thing anymore. I don't care how much money I'm making. I shut it down. And this is this is when it, it eclipsed because I, I went into transformational programs and I worked for five to eight, 10 years helping people. I mean, really being with people like from nine in the morning to nine at night, you know, living a life of possibility, yeah. knowing what's possible in being human. And that's kind of ontology. What is it that gives us being human? So you could say I was in the realm of everything we could discover about ourselves. Mm. And so when that wasn't it, I knew I had this clear directive that whatever it was, it was not in the physical world. Mm. And that was when it crescendo. That's when I said, I'm I'm done. There isn't anything out there that will give me that that is still on a question in what is it for me to wake up every day and be me. And that was when I was living in Middletown, New Jersey, and I had a room that I would call like my meditation room. And I would just go there and sit and people would call me because now I was highly trained. I had all these distinctions and they're like, hey, we want you to come and be a consultant. We want, And we'll pay you this amount. And I'm like, no, no, I shut it off. I was, I, there was this inner knowing that mm. I couldn't do that. And it was then Saul that I, my personal experience that has led me to my work, it was a moment, it was a momentary uh, epiphany, an existential moment in time when my experience that within me embodies a, a vibration, an energy source. Mm. And in that moment, that source literally was, this is you. This is who you are. This is the you that is real. And in that moment, because I had turned off so much about what my mind was about, the clarity of that moment was profound. In that moment for me, I, I in my book, I say it's a new paradigm. My pa The paradigm shifted. Like, you mean, oh, we're here as human beings because yeah. this is who we are. Yeah. And and it was in that moment that connect to the self, listen for what there is to know, trust its guidance and take action arose. And so for almost two decades, I've been guiding others in connecting, listening, trusting and acting mm. from the self, the part of them that is the source for who they are and why they're here. And there is a lot we could talk about that, but that was what started my profession. So let's talk about this paradigm shift. It means that there's a current paradigm that needs mm -hmm. to be shifted. So what is the current paradigm that wasn't yeah. working for you or that is not working for many people? Yeah. Well, the current paradigm is that the thoughts that we're having with ourselves and that we're listening to is automatic from our mind and that our mind okay so you can't see a mind right if you open your head you don't see a mind you see a brain so it's like if you say there's air you can't see the air but it's there so the mind like the self is an energy but we have from the birth we are related to that we are physical because we could see our physical form and so for the mind, that is what it, it's, it's, its job is to assure survival in the physical plane. And it has a very powerful 
purpose and it and it is it is what we use to function in the physical world with my practice mm. you can you can pause to access the you that is really here to approach a situation deal with what's happening in your life view it through another set, set of lens see it through another perspective and that's the paradigm shift the paradigm shift is that from the mind we mm. are by default always in worry concern fear upset something's not okay now let's move from the abstract to more practical are there some examples yeah. because yeah. the the idea of processing things not from your mind but from a deeper sense of you mm-hmm. like you said that is a big paradigm shift and how mm-hmm. is that done and you know are there some examples of people who've mm-hmm. done it so our listeners can take this yes. <laughs> concept and make it much more yeah. experiential yes let me share a couple of things but before I even go there i just want to share yesterday i'm going to share it from what like just the simplicity of how how it works as a practice and i want to say practice because like you know if you're learning to play the piano or the guitar or you're learning meditation you have to do a practice or else you don't li- live it you don't get it right so i'm just give you one simple and i want to give you another one and i want to share this because i w- i w- i thought to myself wow maybe i could share this when i'm talking to salt I went to get my hair done yesterday and I was busy and I walked in and it was a new girl and I looked at her and I had a thought like I couldn't go to my regular hairdresser let me put it that way and I was like I- I'm not going to get the hairstyle I want I can already tell like it was right there do you understand what I mean <laughs> Yes <laughs> And in that moment because I have this practice that thought didn't get to stay and and make it make it real for me because by the time I sat on that chair to have her wash my hair I let go of that thought like like if I flipped a, a light bulb as you know flipped the switch and I said hey I've never seen you here how are you well guess what she's from New Jersey where I'm from I got happy right away <laughs> she's been doing this for 20 years I had the best hair style I'm now thinking I should go to her more often. <laughs> that experience altered by that one shift. That is just what it looks like on the core day. You know, I like that example because it happened to me and I liked how <laughs> it worked better for you because I went to the barber shop and found out my regular barber was not there. <laughs> I left and I went home and I cut my hair by myself. <laughs> But <laughs> but you <laughs> so that that was my mind right so you're saying that was yes. my mind guiding yes. my process yes <laughs> so if yeah, i let go I... and sat down the way you did so by sitting mm-hmm. down your life opened to new possibilities awesome you this is so perfect <laughs> and that is where i the, the whole energy shifts we talk about energy right you walk in right now in our life we are so bombarded with who's this who's that what's this what's that imagine if you are the source for that shift and you don't get to live in it right so the moment i let it go you right it opened up this this world where 
is it perp? I call it purposeful and chaotic because she turned out to be the right way exactly. And this is the thing with this practice, Saul. What you begin to discover as you incorporate this is that life works for you. Hmm. You don't find yourself in situations that are like derail you. I'm going to say this. This is going to sound very strange, Uh but it popped in my head and I'm going to say it. When Ian hit Port Myers right on, Mm. I was in Greece. And then the last hurricane that came in, I was in Trinidad. Mm. So I happened to not be around when now, I'm saying people could be like, oh, yeah, but that just could just happen. I'm saying that there's a dimension of us that is so available to us that can have our life be less stressful, less heavy lifting, less feeling like taking us over, I guess, is the way I would say. So we live in a culture that glorifies the mind. You'd hear about mind power, positive psycho, mm. positive thinking, and, you know, visualization and all these things. Mm. So the you is much more attached to the mind. How can we begin a process, a step-by-step mm. process of letting the inner you guide mm. you? Great. I'm going to, right now, I want to share three levels of awareness mm-hmm. that that you can get into in the first step of connect. And one is becoming aware of the thoughts that you're, that is occurring in a moment, like you're listening to yourself. Start listening to what your thoughts are telling you. You can't identify this in mind. We have to start with the thoughts because mm-hmm. the mind's like, what mind? This is just... You, this is how it is, and this is life. So what happened is you will catch yourself. It could be a week carrying on about something, and then suddenly you go, wait, wait, wait. I remember on that podcast, I I can choose to see what my mind is, what these thoughts are, and I can actually choose to not listen or let it go right now. Mm. You then start to catch it right after something kicks in for you. One way to tell Mm -hmm. is when there's any upset, any annoyance, any concern, any worry, and any fear, your mind has just triggered some experience that has now taken control over your response, your reaction, and how you approach something. Mm. That is where the connect comes in, because now in a connection, you listen to my audio, you release it, you let it go, and you actually start to listen. And when you are, the more you do the practice, it's like a radio station that you can hear more and more and more clearly, and you can get, an, you could get, do this, take this action. I'm going to give you an example that is so out of reality. Okay. Let's put it that way. I mean, it shifts the paradigm. Yes. My husband was, and I think it's in the book because in the book has a lot of these shares from, from many people who have done this over the years. He, he was working on business. Business had slowed down. He's like, you know, what do you, what do you do? You call your contacts, you start to call people, you know, he's a consultant in the business executive world. So he's like, 
working away at that. And he said, I'm just going to do a connection. What is there for me to know? Mm. That's a connection. What is there for me to know? Because your mind is telling you what to go do. Hmm. And so when you connect to, well, what is there for me to know after you become aware of these thoughts that's telling you, get up, go at your desk, start going through your list. Oh, you should call this person because, you know, they worked with you last year. Maybe they have somebody that could all, you could pull up 10 things to do when you're marketing and follow <laughs> it. Okay. So then what he wrote down, because what happens when you connect, when you begin in my work, my newsletter and my programs, I say, write down what you heard because it goes so fast. The mind is like, oh, forget about that. Let's do this. He got go to the gym. Now it's two in the afternoon. Hmm. It's like, this is insane. I, I, I'm not. He went back to work, followed the marketing strategy. The next day, it's like, maybe I'll connect on it again. Go to the gym. It's like, Four days this went on before he finally took the action, connect, listen, trust, act. He took the action and he went. And then he just, by the time he took the first action, he got into letting go of the mind's drive to, I got to get work. I got to figure this out. You know, what are we going to do for business? That, you know, the life. So the second day, there was enough space for him to go again to the gym. I am telling you, when he came back from that gym, mm. he got an e-call from someone he knew 15 years ago that he has not talked to or even remember mm. that have a project in Canada that they can't do. So they recommended him. Wow. And it was a three-year project that totally took up his time. Powerful stuff. So what you're saying, and these are really, I love the stories because they bring the concept, you know, from abstract to real. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Back to the simplicity of our experience, me going to the barber shop and you going to the salon. Mm. Uh, so you're saying to connect, which is the first mm. phase is when something presents itself, whether it's a mm. problem or a situation presents itself, instead yes. of reacting with what your mind tells you to do, like, my mind told me, leave the barbershop, go home, you can do this by mm. yourself, cut your own mm. hair, which I did. Mm. But the, you, mm. what you're saying is when, when those questions present themselves as a problem, it's pause. And then you ask mm. the question, what is there for me to know? Yes. And then you take it from there. Is that what you're saying? Yes. With that, we'll take a little break. Again, our guest is Indira Dayal Dominguez. She's the author of You, A Spiritual Being on a Spiritual Journey. We'll be right back. Continuing to be a leader in the field of spiritual care at the end of life, Hospice Chaplaincy provides high-quality professional development webinars that will improve your practice of spiritual care at the end of life. Check out our latest webinars at www.hospicechaplaincy.com. I'm Sole Bem and we continue our conversation with Indira. So this new paradigm shift, how does it relate to us who, are, who work in end-of-life care? Yeah, end-of-life care has been one of the most areas, times of life that I have been most profoundly Imp impacted by in applying my practice. Mm. In the journey of life, you could say that birth is, we come in and we're doing all these things. And then by the end of life, I have had the experience of 
the mind being very loud, the mind having a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. about because because linearly it, you're you're coming to an end. And so there's a lot of our experiences about our illness, our body, what's happening, how are we feeling? We don't really feel like how we used to feel. All of that evokes a lot of emotions and a lot of, you, you know, it, it could shut us down. It could mm. make us feel like we're not relevant. Yeah. A lot of the mind, the, the, the emotions and the experiences of being physical that is housed in our mind becomes more accentuated. And so I feel that this practice is a great tool to use. I do want to share some things, and I'm not saying this happens or doesn't happen, but I have worked with many people who have taken this practice on, not like I've worked, but they've applied this practice Mm. when they've had cancer, when they've gone through the journey of the loss of a loved one, when they've had someone that knew they weren't going to be around because of some terminal illness, someone who passed away very young with a family. And the way they dealt with that and the way that that all, well, first of all, I've never had anybody who applied to practice that didn't come through it with on the other side of knowing that they're well. Mm. One of the things about the practice of connect and Part of it is this is not one of those things you can hear and, and get because trying to <laughs> have the mind not tell you what's happening is it, it's impossible. Yeah. It, it's impossible. Even mindfulness, I feel you can observe the mind or quiet the mind. But what this does mm. is you your awareness of your mind as and those thoughts and being able to let them go creates this 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 space of no thought. And in the space of no thought, you have access to a shift in your reality. That shift in reality can help us in how we deal with our illness, how we deal with feeling about our end of care experiences that we're going through. Maybe knowing that we're we're not going to be around, how do we hold our life and what our life is about is the joy, the fulfillment, all of what we did on the surface, or is it in the background? What are some of the actions that we could have during that time that would keep elevating our experience as we leave? That is what my audio support you with. So I work in end-of-life care. Like after this recording, I have a patient is 56 years old. He just mm-hmm. had a, a news of a terminal diagnosis. And it's, uh, so because it's, it's still new, it has shattered his world. And it's in mm. that period, why me? You know, mm. why is this happening to me? What is going to happen to my young children? You know, all of this is in that period of shock. Mm. How can me as somebody who is there to help him process this? How can I help him tap into this process that you have? Mm. So, so one of the things I have are I, I, I can provide all. The thing is, there are audios. Okay, mm. let's go to my book. In my book, in each chapter, I have guided MP3 audios mm. that that begin to make you make that shift. So my book is like a workbook, and it 
it shows you how to release the mind. It shows you how to connect to yourself. And I'm saying this if somebody wants it right away. And then at the last chapter, I have a whole 10 to 15 different scenarios with individual connections that you have access to. So for you, for example, you having my book could go to the connection chapter, go to the MP3 that has the connection, presents this scenario. And what you'll discover is that there is a you that you will bring to him that would shift the world in which he is experiencing what's occurring. And let's say he does the connection. He himself will be able, the fear, the fear of what that has, because we're human, because we have emotions, because we're going to have these experiences, we're not going to avoid them. But when we are allowing that to be there, while we access what ourselves wants us to know about what's occurring, mm. it, it, it's that purposeful, chaotic unfolding. It's almost like it scrambles everything, yeah, and it has it land in a very in a place that's just fulfillment. Mm. I, I, I want to share this this share with you. Yeah. My dad passed away a year ago, and it was the first of my parents that passed away. And I was at the hospital for a week, and I was in the pain, in the sorrow, in the experience. I'm never physically going to touch my dad again. I'm not going to be able to hear his voice. I'm not going to be able to know my dad. My dad is not there any longer. And so I was having all of that. But every single day I was connecting. And what occurred is I got my mom to come. My dad had remarried and his wife had six children and we are five. So there's now 11 of us at a hospital. My mom comes down. She's never met his my current stepmom. They, this day of glory and joy, it was like my dad energy was at peace that all of us were here. All of us was in this experience of being together. It transcended this this loss, this this feeling of of I'm losing something. Mm-hmm. And and then when I was in the room when he was taking his last breath, and I was connecting, and I was left in the joy of everything we shared together, the the gift that he brought into my life, the what I have now that will always be with me because he was here. And it didn't take away the sadness. Weeks later, it didn't remove that I'm sad, but that energy was stronger than the loss. Mm. And actually, I was doing a talk and I suddenly was like, Dad, you're so articulate. Just be with me while I do this. My dad (laughs) is with me all the time because when you shift that it's not an end, Mm. You activate that energy of the you that Mm. we embody that is eternal. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I was going to ask on how this practice helps people who are dealing with grief. Because like you said, a lot of grief is is on the mind, right? You're thinking about what you've lost and the value of the person you've lost and how that you'll not be in touch with them. But you're like, if we dwell more in the you, we can transcend our grief and and continue living in a new way with the idea of a continuing bond with the yes. dead relative, right? 
Yes. I, I want to share there was a someone who had taken on this practice and was applying it to their life and living. And one of their workers who was in his 30s that were their number one best-selling salesperson got ill. And it, it, it was a long period of, I mean, it was irreversible. It was clear this person was going to not be able to reverse that condition. And everything was in the the loss, the sorrow, the family, his children are young. It was just, just magnitude. Everybody is in this, wow, how is his family going to be and all of that. And this person that was in the practice got to go to his house and sat with him and his family and through a connection that he did, got to speak and brought the family and this person to their their purpose, their value, what they've contributed, who they are, what they're going to leave when they're not here. In other words, it wasn't like we're going to pretend he's not going to pass away. Mm. It wasn't like, oh, let's just dwell on the pain and suffering. And I write that in my chapter on death. It's dying is the moment of life. Because in the energy of knowing we are no longer going to be here, we can access that we, who we are is the you. Wow. (laughs) That's powerful stuff. With that, we'll take a little break. Again, our guest is Indira. She's a founder of Indira Life and the author of You, a spiritual being on a spiritual journey. We'll be right back. If someone you know is suffering from mental health issues and could use some support, please call the National Alliance for Mental Illness Helpline. It is a free nationwide peer support service, providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. To contact the NAMI Helpline, please call 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, or send an email to info at nami.org. I'm Sole Bem, and we continue our conversation with uh, Indira. In chapter six of your book, you talk about it's under the topic of trust, activating your inner knowing. And I like that because knowing is something else. So in Mm. your interpretation of that, uh, what does chapter six bring and what is inner knowing? Mm. Inner knowing is that we embody three parts of us. We have a mind, we have a body, and we have a spirit, which I'm calling the self. And that inner knowing is the blueprint for us to approach our life aligned with our true purpose, who we are, what we're here. That inner knowing is the compass. That inner knowing is the is the is the map. That inner knowing is the Google map that takes us to in any situation to the best outcome. Mm. So the inner known knowing then in that sense, it is the truth of that moment in a way. Yes, it is. It is what has that moment be aligned with our true essence, which is connected, oneness, love, honor, affinity, not the mind, which is separation, fear, anxiety, worry, Mm. alone. Yeah. So sometimes you're right. The mind can cause a conflict, a sense of dissonance, where you know what you need to do in that moment, but then the mind is creating a sense of doubt 
maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> so in in, in that, I love, yeah. no, I yeah, I love that because this is really every time you've ever trust your intuition, it never failed you. Connect, listen, trust, act is to get to your intuition on demand. It never fails you. Hmm. How does somebody trust totally? Because what you're saying re- requires total mm-hmm. submission to this idea, to this concept. How does somebody trust totally? <laughs> you know, Saul, it, it is a journey. There is a term of art I use when people participate in my work, like the duality. You don't ever, you're never not in the duality. It's mm. I talk about that in my book. Yeah. The duality is the both. Yeah. There because because what happens is like going to the gym when the more you practice this, the more you can live more weight. Mm. So the easier it becomes to let go and trust. Yeah. yeah. So the more you live in the you, the mm. more the easier it becomes to let go yes. and to trust. Yes. Yes. You got <laughs> it. You got it. <laughs> I get it. How can our listeners find you? Okay. So my website, I made it. It's indiralife.com. And what I have set up for everyone to be able to engage in this is indiralife.com slash join me. And go there. I have my newsletter where I begin to give you this experience. I begin to give you areas you can start to connect on. You will receive all of my updates on what I'm doing, where I have a workshop, where I a new video that will continue to teach you more about this. And also I have my link to my book, which, which is, as I've been saying, has all my audios, you could begin to do this on your own. But what I've done, Saul, because as you say, how do you begin to do it? I have a book club experience for anybody who buys my book to get videos of me in each chapter. Keep supporting them. Take on an area of your life. Work through this practice as you read my book. And and if you give me a review on Amazon, you get 30-day free trial in my in my membership community. Also, Saul, for your listeners, I would invite you, if you're interested, to sign up for a workshop on From Grief to Joy. I'm offering it to your listeners. And on that, indiralife.com slash join me, you can check that off. And then there is my membership, my community. It's a community of people that practice this as a lifestyle. Mm. Indira, what I like about you is that you've taken this ancient wisdom and you've taken mm-hmm. it to the main street. And it's, it's so beautiful, mm-hmm. well-packaged, your programs, your audios, everything is beautiful. You've given us an invitation to live in that, with deep knowing, to live in the you. What are your final thoughts? So are you, you've just moved me to tears. I feel so recreated. You know, I am very passionate about that there's a that as human beings we're here to maneuver, navigate our daily challenges from a place of real peace, from a fear from a place of not being fearful and stressed. We are so stressed, we are so fearful, 
we are bombarded with so much. I feel that that this is the evolution of our human experience to access the the you that we all embody, which is who we really are. And to just be able to continue to share my methodology and practice and tools to as many people as possible. And my website makes it easy for anybody anywhere to do this at home anywhere. That's my mission. And that's what I'm up for. Thank you. By the way, I'm still reading Indira's book. I would, I would encourage you to get it. I would encourage you to check out her website, sign up to, for some of her courses. Her book is You, a Spiritual Being on a Spiritual Journey. Indira, thank you very much. Thank you, Saul. It was a joy. Thank you. That was Indira Dayal Dominguez. She's the author of You, a Spiritual Being on a Spiritual Journey. Our studio engineer is Brian McKenna, and I'm Saul Ebema. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Hospice Chaplaincy, promoting excellence in spiritual care at the end of life. This episode was recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting in Julia, Illinois. You can find our podcast everywhere podcasts are available. If you enjoy listening to the show, please don't forget to give us your feedback by writing a review on iTunes. For more information, please visit www.hospicechaplaincy.com.